Hello and welcome to the 38th episode of the Two Black Two Nerdy Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm your host, Chris. And uh, we're back after a little while. Uh, last one we did was Star Wars. We're going to be talking about um, a couple comic book shows today. Um, we're a little late <laughs> on both because we were both out of town. But um, we will be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier and a new Amazon show called Invincible. So... I think we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier first. Uh, Chris, you want to go ahead and give us a uh, quick uh, synopsis of the plot? And also, we will be going in the full spoilers for both shows. They've both been out for like a month already. So if you haven't seen them, um, just be warned that we're going to spoil anything and everything. Who's Captain America going to be? Yeah. If you haven't seen Endgame, you don't know the answer to that question. Um, <laughs> But yes, full spoiler warning in effect. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier is catching up with, uh, you know, Falcon, uh, Sam Wilson, and Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, post-in-game, what they've been up to, and uh, the journey to be, quote-unquote, worthy of the shield. And so um, Bucky, we start off with Bucky trying to make amends for his past, with the world's worst therapist and you have Sam getting back to reality. We meet Sam's family. Uh, you know, Sam was obviously uh, snapped away. So now he has to get, you know, like, does he have credit now? Can, you know, does he have money? Uh, we found out that the Avengers weren't paid. Shout out to Tony Stark. <laughs> I love that. That was absolutely hilarious. I'm like, Pepper Potts couldn't give any of the homeboys a job, mm-hmm. a stipend. I mean, yeah. Like Sorry, you Chris. Disappeared continue. for five and a half years. Here's a here's some money to deal with that. I mean, personally, to me, I feel like anyone who fought in the battle Whoa. with Thanos should get like a government stipend the rest of their lives. Like they shouldn't have to work if they don't want to. Mm-mm. Like, like, every government should contribute. Like, that global repatri- repatriation council that we see in this show, um, they should all have contributed funds to the the Avengers. Granted, you wouldn't have to do anything for the Wakandans because Wakandans cover. Wakanda is covered. Pretty much. But, yeah. But this was uh, Microaggressions the show. Yeah, you know, it was funny going into the show. I definitely, I mean, the trailers pitched it as like, you know, a buddy, uh, but a buddy action, you know, a buddy action show, you know, something similar to say, like maybe a rush hour, things of that nature. And I think the first episode, everybody was caught off guard, like they were actually going to have political commentary and actually talk about race and actually talk about you know, there was veteran, there was veterans commentary in there as well, and this is really the first Marvel show that really has kind of delved deep in the, delved, you know, into this issue. I mean, Black Panther, you know, they had images of slavery, and they alluded, I mean, they, they talked about race of Black Panther for sure, but, I mean, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, I think, the first time they really talked about, like, things specific to African Americans, and... You know, like, (laughs) all the, just, I mean, as you mentioned, the microaggressions, the fact that people don't know Sam's name, they're like, oh, it's Black Falcon, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, just, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. 
Now, I was going to say things like he, the fact that him and his sister can't get alone, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and we'll get into the all the Isaiah Bradley stuff in a little bit, but they were really going in the commentary with this one, and I, I really appreciated it. Yeah, and, you know, that's always hit with, you know, since, since I'm being on TikTok, you know, that's always hit with, oh, why do we have to get into politics, or why do they got to throw race into everything, and it's just like, Yo, these were Captain America's two best friends. And if you look at all of the MCU, the movies that are the most political are the Captain America movies. Because you literally can't have a movie about Captain America or a show about Captain America and it not be political. He's literally a symbol of the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there was a lot of pushback on that. And people were like, oh, they're just forcing it. And, you know, with, with things like, um, you know, the, the bank loan scene or the, uh, oh, you know, with also the, the cops. And I think what was the second episode when they met Isaiah Bradley or maybe it was the third episode. Second episode. Like, oh, oh, that was forced. And it's just like, all right, just just go up and ask three black people. Have they had a similar experience to either one of those? And you're going to get a yes. Definitely, and I think uh, I think Chris, you actually mentioned me. It was like a meme, right? It was like WandaVision. All the theorists are like, "Hey, I think that fly in the corner is Mephisto," and then people watching Falcon the Winter Soldier, and it's like, oh, I don't know if the show's about racism, guys. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, You're reaching there. Um, but I, I have a lot of. I definitely have a lot of opinions. So I mean, I guess the main thread of the show are is Sam and Bucky trying to uh, investigate and take down this new terrorist group called the Flag Smashers. And essentially, these are people... So I'm... Hopefully, I don't screw this up. So what I believe... The Flag Smashers are people who weren't snaps that, um, like, lived in certain places. And then when the snap people came back and they wanted all their land back, the Flag Smashers were people that were displaced. Is that what's correct? Yes. Yes. All right, good. (laughs) I screwed that up. So the thing about the Flag Smashers is that they're all super soldiers. The super soldier serum that gave Steve Rogers, Captain America's powers, has been recreated. So they're all super strong. Um, Bucky and Sam, their first fight with the Flag Smashers, they lose pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, but we haven't even gotten to, to the best part. You know, we introduce the villains. But we also don't introduce, like, the second secondary villain. Yeah, so they're, the Flag Smashers, I would say, are probably the main villains of this show. And then we also get another... I don't know if you... We could debate if he's a villain or not, but he's definitely an antagonist. And that is John Walker. So, essentially, the first episode, you know, we know that uh, Steve gave Sam the shield. In the first episode... Sam does not want to be Captain America, and he's actually giving the shield away to the government to go in a museum. And then we find out at the end of the episode that, you know, the government, you know, being sneaky, decides to give the shield to a completely new guy we haven't met before named John Walker. John Walker is presented as, like, this all-American, um, this all-American soldier, uh, kind of like your typical idea if you think of, like... If you think of, like, what a typical American soldier would be like, it's essentially John Walker, um, white dude. You know, he's got, like, all these Medal of Honors, and he's been on... I, did they mention he's been on, like, four tours or something like that? Like, he's... Something like that, yeah. he, He's supposed to be, like, the ideal of what you would see, assume, like, 
someone who was a Captain America would be like. And he he's the new Captain America. Um, and he's I guess got a uh, black wife. He's got a black wife. He had his it, best I, friend is black. His best friend is black, and I'm pretty sure in his like debut that I'm pretty sure it was an HBCU band or at least an HBCU style band for his yeah, it was um an like HBCU band at his alma mater, not college but high school. Yeah, it's high school. It's definitely a shout out to HBCU bands. Always a always a highlight. <laughs> but um, yeah. So the thing about John Walker's character is that. He's 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 a relatively complicated guy, right? He's not someone that's super evil or nefarious, right? He's not like he's not evil in the same way like Thanos or Ultron was. He generally he generally wants to be Captain America, but there's something about him that's missing. He's missing the compassion part that Steve has which holds him back from being a good Captain America. And it makes him unqualified to be Captain America. And he essentially, he and his sidekick are essentially trying to stop the Flag Smashers as well. They pretty much make everything worse with everything they do. Um, and it kind of escalates from there. Pretty much he has him and his, uh, John Walker and his sidekick have a rivalry essentially with um, Sam and Bucky. They don't really get along. Um, and so you're kind of dealing with both of those characters you're kind of dealing with uh, both John Walker and the Flag Smashers. Sam and Bucky are dealing with both of them throughout the course of the show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it seems like uh, John Walker is also dealing with a bit of an inferiority complex um, because Sam gave up the shield for a couple of different reasons. He wasn't sure if he was ready slash worthy of it, but at the same time, he knew that there would be an incredible back well he, what really when he gives up the shield he he's saying that America is not ready for a black Captain America mm-hmm. and honestly by their reaction and giving it to someone like John Walker who they said was you know physically exceptional they said nothing about um and by physically exceptional he doesn't at the beginning have the super soldier serum but he's just in terms of just a regular human he's like peak human uh condition and so um people were just like you know like oh yeah this is captain america he he's physically exceptional but one thing that dr erskine always said is you know um a weak man knows the true power of strength and so john walker is not presented as ever being a man and so he lets the mantle Captain America go to his head the expectations, the pressure and the name Mm -hmm. um yeah so I guess diving into the crux of the story um essentially Sam and Bucky they pretty much reconnect, they team up they kind of they have issues. They have issues kind of working together, I think, in the beginning because Sam and Bucky, they're not super close, right? They kind of have a weird relationship because they both were, they both essentially have the same best friend who's gone. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a void there. So they're trying to do, de- so they're trying to deal with the Flag Smashers. First battle of the Flag Smashers does not go well. In addition to them having, in, the, in addition to them meeting John Walker, essentially they don't get along at all. 
And then Bucky has the idea that since they're investigating super soldiers, the only one, the one who was obsessed with super soldiers was Zemo, the villain from Captain America Civil War. So Bucky helped Zemo break out of prison. And I guess we can talk about Zemo for a minute, Chris. Um, what did you think of Zemo in this show? He was there. <laughs> I, I just, I just truly don't understand this fascination that people have with him. Um, like it, 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 in regards to this show and this show alone. Um, oh, I, I have some words. Just like, oh, he's so quirky. You know, he's adorable with his little dancing scene. And I'm just like, all he did was like three mini like fist pumps. Like, what? He also people forget he did kill Black Panther's dad. So, <laughs> right, it, not a good guy. It's just there is a whole thing about being willing to forgive uh, white mass murderers, but that's a different story. Um, but yeah, but Zemo, like you know, we got he had a couple of cool moments with his mask when he's fighting in like that third or fourth episode, um, and that mask was really truly only for a trailer shot. Oh, definitely. They that mask was just. I mean, that was just comic book fan bait because they didn't do yeah. it in the movie, and they're like, "Oh, he's going out the mask in the show, guys." He barely wears it. I um, mean, he may have it in in a future project, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, but let's not call it anything but what it is. Fan service. Yeah. So Zemo. So essentially, part of and part of the story, they have to work with Zemo to deal with the Flag Smashers. And there's this whole thing with Zemo where obviously they can't trust him. He helps out a little bit, and then he gets away. Things of that nature. Um, we also have a, a few other. I, I just want to get our major characters out the way. Um, Sharon Carter is back. We haven't seen her since Captain America: Civil War. Um, last time we saw her, she um, kissed Cap and disappeared. Um, it was, uh, um, and, and, and when we first meet her, it, it, she's, I don't know, Chris, I, what did you think about her when we first met Sharon again? Because it was, her introduction was very weird. She kind of helps them. She, she helps out Sam, Bucky, and Zemo a little bit, and we can tell she's a little bitter. Um, essentially, you know, much like how her character was essentially abandoned after Captain America's Civil War. Captain America and the Avengers pretty much forgot about her. I believe she was snapped because I think you see her photo in Endgame. But essentially, she's kind of been left behind. She's still like, um, I don't know what you call it when there's like a warrant out from you from the feds. But she's, she's a fugitive. She's still a fugitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still a fugitive. So she's um, hanging out in uh, the Madripoor. Mm-hmm. She's hanging out in Madripoor. She's clearly like bitter at Cap and the Avengers, but she's helping out Sam and Bucky. And you know, surprisingly, she's like always on the phone and being a little sketchy, you know. And around yeah. the time that she's introduced, they mention that there's this mysterious character called the Power Broker that is somehow funding the Flag Smashers. And it's like, and and it's like, you know, we go through all these episodes with no hints about who the power broker is, and Sharon Carter is just magically on our phone <laughs> and all these scenes looking suspicious, and it's like, hmm, I wonder why. It was a very uh, not obvious twist, if you can't tell uh, by my tone. But um, Sharon Carter's introduced. Eventually, we find out that she's kind of the person behind the Flag Smashers. We can get to that later. 
And um, the last character that I want to mention in this show that we do get for a couple episodes, which are cool, we get the Dora Milaje. Yep. Black Panther, so fresh, I mean, from Black Panther, uh, the Dora Milaje were awesome in the show. They were beautiful. They beat up John Walker. Super satisfying, of course. But John Walker says, "Hey, I'm Captain America," and she that they don't care. I was like, I. It what is, nice what is she saying? Say, what he said that Wakanda care. doesn't have jurisdiction, and then I I, I she says the, something like, "We have like the Dora Milaje have jurisdiction wherever the Dora the, Milaje are." Yeah, wherever they are. So. It was awesome to see them. Essentially, the Dora Milaje are going after Sam and Bucky because they let Zemo out. Zemo's the one who killed Black Panther's dad, so that all totally makes sense. Um, Their parts in the show were great. Uh, We got a little more insight into Bucky's healing process, his therapy in Wakanda. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was... There was a TikTok I was watching, and someone was like, I'm kind of uncomfortable because, like... Bucky's talking way more than he's ever talked in any other movie ever. And it's like, yeah. He only ever had so much dialogue in, you know, the films he was in. They kind of allude to that when Bucky's in therapy where he's just like, hey, you know, I've just been fighting war after war after war and now I'm here. And it's like, that pretty much has been his character. Yeah, I mean, he's no longer the Winter Soldier anymore. He's back to being Bucky Barnes. Um, So... So, yeah, there's that. And so it's interesting uh, going back to Sharon um, and, and then going back down the line. So Sharon, uh, it was never confirmed whether she was snapped or not. They thought she was. But if she's been hiding out in Madripoor and building up her power base and will reveal why a little later, then it under- it's understandable that they thought she was snapped because she's been off the radar. But it is kind of a tarnish on Steve for him not to have gone to get her. I would agree with that. It also, I mean, I think one thing that this show also has proved in a number of different ways is that Steve Rogers was a great hero and a great Captain America, but he wasn't perfect. You know, you think of Captain America being perfect, but not going back for Sharon, not, you know, taking, not doing anything to take care of Sharon, to look out for Sharon at all, well, was pretty shitty. So, right, like, I get why... Everything she put on the line for him. Yeah. Pretty much. So, yeah. And, and so you, you look at things like that. Um, and Sharon, she was kind of sus from the beginning. Um, you know, you don't live in Madripoor for that long to survive and not become a little dirty yourself. Absolutely. It's, it's just the way it is. Um, with Zemo, one funny line that was in there was talking about Trouble Man. Oh, yeah, uh, on yeah, the yeah. Plane. <laughs> And it was just like, it's, you know, it's the epitome of the African-American experience. And Sam's like, he's right. He's out of line, but he's right. Um, so so that, that was a fun moment. Um, but it it's uh, interesting that people talk about Bucky is, you know, he's no longer the Winter Soldier. Like, while he can fight, he's not at the same level that he was in the Winter Soldier. No, or even he was Civil not. War, because he doesn't have the um, because that Hydra training, the that Hydra, Hydra, yeah, the Hydra training, brainwashing yeah. included some of those martial arts skills. Because there's no way a man that is fighting Black Panther, and I mean honestly, Black Panther gave him those hands, but the fact that he was able to keep up with Black Panther and Captain America, 
is losing to these wannabes, you know, like he still has Super Soldier Serum, but he he ain't the same fighter that he was. No, he's, he's not. That. Um, because it's it's also sort of uh, synonymous with Cap in the first movie. Cap was more of a brawler in the first movie than an actual fighter, like he was in Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I will say, I mean, this show did a lot for Bucky's character. He's clearly dealing with he he's trying to make amends for everything he did with the Winter Soldier. I did like how he had a book of all the people that he wronged. He tried to fix it. He has a he has a pretty good storyline where essentially he's friends with this old man, and you find out that he killed the old man's son. When he was a Winter Soldier, and like the mm-hmm. end of the arc is that he has to apologize to that old man and be like, "Hey, man, I killed your son." You know, yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed what they did with Bucky's character. He definitely <laughs> him flirting with Sam's sister. You know, the white man who got invited to the cookout at the end of the movie, um, the end of the show. I've got some words I think for the fandom. There's certain things that maybe because I'm on TikTok too much, I'm getting a little, a little mm-hmm. annoyed by. But um, I enjoyed everything they did with Bucky's character. But um, the one other character we didn't mention that does have a pretty big role is Isaiah Bradley. So one thing that we learn about is um, Bucky shows Sam that there actually was another super soldier, um, successful super soldier that the government had. And it was a black man named Isaiah Bradley. He was a black soldier. He, um, I don't know what war he fought in exactly. Probably, I think it was Korea. I think that's where Bucky said he, he, they fought. Yeah, it might have been career. I, I, yeah, so it, it was definitely somewhere around there. And um, essentially, the storyline that they do with Isaiah Bradley is that he, what he's a guy, he's a black man that had he had all the power of Captain America, all the courage. He has like his own heroic story where he went to like save a whole, save all his friends, and save a whole platoon from being captured. But the government essentially wanted to cover everything about him up. They put him in prison mm-hmm. for a very long time. I forget how yeah. long it was, but... 30 years. 30 years, yeah. They put him in prison for 30 years. Nowhere in the history books. Steve, according to Bucky, Steve didn't even know about him. Um, yeah. So he knew because they fought, and he said he wouldn't tell Steve about it. Yes. So... Which, you know what's interesting? Mm-hmm. That Hydra didn't know about him. That's very interesting that they wouldn't, that they didn't. Yeah, and there are a few, there definitely are a few plot holes, I think, with it, just because I remember, this is really bad, I'm going to go super nerdy on y'all, in the, uh, in the Incredible Hulk movie, part of the reason, like, the MCU's version of Hulk is the way he is, because they created, they were, it was because they were trying to recreate the super soldier serum. And that's how you got Hulk and Abomination. So it's like, if they had another version, if they are able to make Isaiah, how come, why were, why was Bruce Banner doing research? Like, why wasn't that, like, already out there? So there's a couple issues there, but the... the, Well, it's similar to the Ultimate Universe one, Mm -hmm. because in the Ultimate Universe, uh, obviously you had Captain America, and then he went under ice, and then... Nick Fury is essentially the Isaiah Bradley in, in that universe, except he's not as strong. He has superhuman 
you know, like agility and endurance and all that, but he's not as strong as Captain America. But so I wouldn't be surprised if they had some of the vials and um, of Isaiah Bradley's blood when they went to um, do the Hulk uh, experiment. But that's how Hulk was created in the Ultimate Universe. They were trying to recreate the Super Soldier Serum. And Bruce ended up testing it on himself. Yep. And and just to point out, Hulk in the Ultimate Universe, like I forgot because I didn't really read like Ultimate Universe one. Those comics were kind of weird, but yeah, he was kind of a rapist, not kind of, a would be one. Ooh, okay, all right, moving yeah. on. Yeah. Um, so. The only thing about the Ultimate Universe is that I know the uh, the Blob uh, eats Wasp and he bites her in half. He goes all like Attack on Titan on her. That's what I. Re- <laughs> yeah, ultimatum. Yep. An ultimatum, and I'm like, this is it was it was just an edgy. All right, this is off topic. The Ultimate Marvel comics. It was an era where Marvel was really trying a little too hard to be edgy. Uh, we got Miles Morales out of it, and they put him in the main universe eventually. But mm-hmm. the Ultimate the Ultimate Universe has some weird storylines, like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were dating. Like <laughs> they were, and they were still twins. And they, they were, were still twins. Like yeah. Yeah, all right, you know, vile, vile murder and incest. This is what people want to read about, you know. Anyway, moving on. Right. So the big, um, the, the big idea of Isaiah Bradley, right, is to show that you know he's a black Captain America that the government tried to cover up, and it's obviously you know a commentary on how black people in America in real life have been experimented on in a number of ways. The Tuskegee experiments are probably the uh, biggest real life example where they gave black people syphilis Mm -hmm. you know without their consent experimenting on black people the United States in real life has a real history of doing that and the whole Isaiah Bradley character is sort of an allusion to that as well as the poor treatment of black veterans you know you have black veterans that have fought in black black people have pretty much fought in every war that the United States has ever had but we still to this day don't get equal treatment. You know, the analogy is always like you go and fight a war somewhere and come home and they're cross burning your front lawn. That That's mm-hmm. the general idea. So Isaiah Bradley is there to kind of represent that. And, and I think it's the fifth episode. He has a really good conversation with Sam about like, you know, can there really be a black Captain America? And essentially, mm-hmm. Isaiah Bradley is like, they're never going to let it happen. It's never going to work. Don't do it. Why even fight for these people? And Sam, mm-hmm. you know, Sam's kind of got the general progressive opinion, which is kind of, you know, I got to try and we'll see what happens. And right. I appreciated them having that debate and that argument in the show because that's a conversation that two black people would have keeping it real that's that's a conversation that two black people would have with all white people around you know it's a conversation like hey is it worth it to even try to do this that kind of thing and i appreciated that they did actually put that in the show because you know marvel's marvel's gonna attract a diverse audience just because marvel has that brand so i'm hoping that people who aren't black were able to understand you know how black folks can feel in that certain situation you know because it makes you think of like hey what was it like for president obama what's it like for black people and where you know when they want to put us as a face of you know companies and organizations and things of that nature um so i i i really enjoyed though i i enjoyed the isaiah bradley storyline 
Um, the ending of it was a little Disney, but I mean, I figured that's what they were going to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think the, the other thing to make sure to point out is that the story that Isaiah Bradley tells about uh, why they threw him in jail was when he... So the, the story is there were a bunch of other black soldiers that were experimented on and got super soldier serum too. And to some moderate degree of success, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, then uh, they got captured and the U.S. government, instead of going to rescue them, wanted to just essentially carpet bomb the whole area to destroy any evidence. Right, 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 right. So yeah. then um, instead of, you know, pony ponying them around like they did uh captain america they kept them pretty much under lock and key so uh isaiah bradley broke out rescued them all and brought them all back just like captain america did with bucky and the howling commandos and the first in captain america the first avenger but while cap was celebrated isaiah bradley was thrown in jail for over three decades yep so that was that was the parallel and like you were saying you know black veterans fighting war and then they come back and are treated like it never happened which is the the allegory they were making there um so yeah um that that was heavy um i would be interested to see what cap's reaction would be to that um the interesting that would have been an interesting conversation which we technically still could have we don't know that Captain America himself is actually dead. You know, the, they they kept saying he's on the moon. On the moon, which is a, a reference to Nick Fury was on the moon for a while in the comics, I believe. Right. So we could have, we still could have an old Captain America talk to Isaiah Bradley. They'd be about the same age. But I don't. I doubt Chris Evans will come back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I there is so I mean we we I didn't want to I wanted to wait till the end, but they are going to do a Captain America four, mm-hmm. starring Sam. So I mean, there's potential for them to do something. I mean, I think so. The the showrunners for Falcon and the Winter Soldier said that they have no idea where Steve is, and Marvel won't tell them. That makes me think that that makes me think that they might do something with them because I feel like mm-hmm. if they wanted Steve to be dead or gone forever, they would have just said it. <laughs> Yeah, but they wouldn't unceremoniously do it. Yeah. So, um But I think the other thing is they're the the Marvel universe and the fandom is still reeling from Chadwick Boseman's death. Yeah. Because we have no idea what they're going to do with Black Panther, so they can't be like, "All right, we killed we we killed Iron Man." And then Chadwick Boseman died. So, let's just keep from killing major characters again. Like they essentially brought back Vision and WandaVision. But Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um And so- I'm also interested in where in the timeline this takes place. And the reason why I'm asking that is because But this is six months. Yeah, but when does Far From Home take place? Because WandaVision takes place WandaVision takes before... place like a few weeks, I I believe. I think Falcon the Winter Soldier is six months. Um, I think Spider-Man may be afterwards. But it's interesting that if it's afterwards that you don't mention anybody. You They don't mention Falcon or Captain America if he's been pronounced to the world. Yeah. Or that they're still traveling even if the Flag Smashers 
have been like no mention of the Flag Smashers. Like I get it, things happen in different time, but they probably weren't. <laughs> the real answer is that the Far From Home script was probably written ahead of time, and they didn't know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we are getting a new Spider-Man movie this year, which I forget. We're getting a new Spider-Man. We're getting No Way Home in December, so we might get some answers. But from that, because um, mm-hmm. there, we got like four Marvel. We just we got like four Marvel movies to this year still, and we're already almost halfway done. But um, so I wanted to talk about. The few big, uh, I, I guess I would say the probably the most uh, shocking climatic moment in this show. So essentially, you have this scenario where um, Sam there, Sam is talking to the leader of the Flag Smashers, and he's about to Carly, and he's about to talk her down because as he, she's a kid, right? Carly is uh, essentially a kid that's been radicalized to be a terrorist or whatever, you know, or to, I wouldn't say be a terrorist, but to, you know, use violent extremist methods, whatever you want to say. And before he talks her down, um, John Walker comes in and they all start fighting. Essentially, you have the Flag Smashers fighting Falcon, Bucky, and John Walker and his um, sidekick, Lamar, and... Um, Battlestar. Battlestar. Um before then, as well, um, John Walker actually does take the Super Soldier Serum. Um, they find the Flag Smashers were keeping a bunch of extra serums with them. Zemo destroys most of them, and there's one left that John Walker injects himself with. But essentially, in this battle, um, Lamar, uh, John Walker's sidekick, ends up dying. Um, and then John Walker pursues one, he's, he's pursuing one of the Flag Smashers, not the one that killed uh, Lamar, it's very clear, but a different one. And that Flag Smasher actually surrenders to John. John doesn't care and beats him to death with the shield. Um, so this was kind of... beats him to death, decapitates him. Decaps, yeah, decapitates him and beats him to death with the shield. Um, so, you know, this was kind of the scene showing that John Walker, he's not equipped to be Captain America. This is not something that Steve or Sam would have done. Essentially, he's committing a war crime by murdering someone that has surrendered. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, this, and, and, and and killing him violently as well, right? It's not like you shot somebody, they were running, and you were shooting at each other, and you shot him, and he died. It's like, no, you pursued him, he did the white flag, he surrendered, and you beat him to death anyway. So it's a war crime. A lot of people are saying there was an allegory for police brutality as well. And and then there was the... So there, there were two major parts of real contention amongst the fandom in the show, mm-hmm. outside of just like, Oh, is this really about race? Um, but it w- it was Bucky getting his arm taken off by Io in episode three, and then John Walker uh, decapitating uh, Nico. I think it's. His I name. did not remember his name at all. I'm sorry. I think it's Nico. It's Nico or Nick or something like that in in episode four. And so there were a lot of John Walker apologists that said, oh, well, the guy was a super soldier. Like, who cares? He was a terrorist, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it's not the point. Like, Cap, we have never seen Cap, Captain America, um, kill someone, A, in that brutal of a fashion, but B, someone that had surrendered to him. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, John Walker's taking over in a pure moment of rage. And the mm. thing is, like, 
people want to debate, is he a villain or not, blah, blah, blah. And I have some critiques, both for the show later and of the fandom. But one thing that, I mean, the idea of John Walker is that he just, he's not inherently, like, a terrible, terrible guy. Like, he's upset that his friend was killed. Totally makes sense. But he's not a good Captain America. You know, what he did is not something that a hero would do, essentially. Mm -hmm. It was very unheroic. The Punisher would have done it. Tony Tony was trying to do it. Tony would have done it. Yeah, Tony would have done it. (laughs) Except, I guess, even in in John Walker's defense, that literally happened right in front of him. Tony (laughs) just saw it on replay. Yeah. Definitely. Um, But there... Some people were making the argument that um, John Walker was, you know, more sympathetic or they said he wasn't a villain because of that moment, because, you know, uh, he didn't have anybody to stop him. Like Cap was there to stop Tony or how Okoye and Nakia were there to stop T'Challa from killing Claw. And the key distinction between all of those moments was, okay, even though Bucky was brainwashed, he was the person that committed the crime of murdering uh, Howard and Maria Stark. He he would be guilty of that. Granted, he would have a defense, but it only goes so far, and we haven't even gotten to the brainwashing part and the legal aspect. But he's at least... He did it. Claw did steal from Wakanda and then bomb and kill several members of the border tribe in Wakanda. I believe so, So, T'Challa was going to kill Claw for the crime he committed, and Tony was going to kill um, Bucky for the crime he committed. Now, John Walker was not killing Nico for the crime of killing... um, Or he was killing Nico for the crime of killing Battlestar. But Nico wasn't the one that killed Battlestar. No, he it didn't. Was, it was Carly. It was Carly. And he didn't even go after Carly. He didn't ask where was she. You know, he just went, I'm taking you out. Yep. And so th- there's a whole difference in that context. Because the other thing is, T'Challa was going to take him back to um, Wakanda to kill him. Like, that would have been, Claw would have been executed. No way about it. Yeah. So, um, pe- people really wanted to play uh, devil's advocate, devil's advocate with John Walker, um, and you saw that he didn't even have remorse after that. He doubled down. He got court-martialed. He essentially got a slap on the wrist. Uh, they, you know, stripped the title of Captain America from him, but they didn't throw him in jail um, or anything of that nature. So he got off relatively scot-free. He then went to Lamar's parents and lied and said the person he killed was the person that killed Battlestar. I don't believe the sister believed him because she looked kind of sus of him. Um, But, yeah, and then, you know, he made his own shield and they, people were like, oh, he was redeemed at the end of the season. Well, I, that's one of my critiques of the show. John Walker's uh, redemption, it happened way too fast. I think the show... I don't even think he's redeemed, to I, be quite honest. I don't think he's redeemed. Yeah, I, I just... I didn't... 
The thing I didn't like, so so we can get into the last episode in a second. But essentially, uh, Sam and Bucky have a three-way fight. I mean, they both fight John Walker. Um, they get the shield back from him. And then, you know, after that, John Walker court-martialed. There's a lot of symbolism in that fight. John Walker rips Sam's falcon wings off. Um, so that is, of course, symbolism that Sam is no longer the falcon at that point. Um, he gets Cap's shield back after that. He um, has a training montage with Bucky. Pause, and you can see uh, Anthony Mackie's stunt double at a few points. Someone on TikTok pointed that out and ruined it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and then the other, oh, the other thing I want to mention about the training montage, two things, actually. One, there's a part where Sam is running, and there is space on the left purposely because Cap would always run past him on his left, which is a nice touch. And then the second one was when Sam is throwing the shield and then later in the, in the series or season finale, however you want to put that, uh, he's using the shield. People are just like, well, he doesn't have the super soldier serum. How can he learn it? How can he throw the shield so well? Isn't the shield super heavy, which is a, a double standard because no one had those questions when John Walker did it and B no, the shield isn't very heavy. It's light. That's the vibranium part of it. It's actually very light. It makes it durable, and that also is what makes it defy physics. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no, Chris, all those uh, all those points are correct. Um, but essentially, after the big John Walker fight, uh, the fifth episode is when they start wrapping up a bunch of storylines. So, um, I believe so. Sam he gets the help of the community to um, he to to fix up the boat. Right, that's pretty much what happens. Mm-hmm. Fix up his sister's boat. Bucky helps out. Um, Sam starts training with the shield. He gets some mysterious. Um, Bucky gets Zemo arrested. He gives he he tricks Zemo to getting arrested by the Wakandans. The Wakandans take him back to prison. Um, and he and I don't know why they did it to him, but <laughs> did it for him. But Bucky requests uh, that he he essentially makes a request to Wakanda, and we find out in the last episode it's to get Sam a Captain America suit, which we see in the last episode. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, they made him his suit in the comics. Yeah, which was cool to see. I I like even though Chadwick is no longer with us. I like any time Wakanda is a part of the universe. Wakanda is mentioned. Wakanda is always watching. Wakanda is always there. Um, one thing that's off topic. We you touched on this, but um, a lot of people didn't like that. Uh, the Dormant Lodge had a safeguard and Bucky's mechanical arm, and it's like yo, they gave him that arm as a gift. Bucky was a killer. They gave him the arm of the favorite of Steve. Of course, they will put a fail safe in there in case he somehow turned against them. That makes total sense. And people are like, oh, well, Bucky would be really sad they did they did that to him. And I'm sitting here like, to not expect something like that, I think would just be, <laughs> it'd be totally ignorant. It, it's, to me, it was almost like a parent, like buying his kid a car and then taking the car keys back. When the kid, you know, yeah, there, there were that is a very layered conversation. Yeah, as I learned when I so there was this guy that made a tweet that said essentially that it showed that the Wakandans never really trusted Bucky at all, and I was like, that feels weird to me. And I didn't put a lot of thought into this TikTok, but I was just like mm-hmm. talking off the top of my head and doing it like in thirty seconds set of set, set of sixty. I was just like, it's just kind of a weird take because they would have, like, essentially just saying what you just said. And it blew up. 
Oh, really? And it got crazy. And there was this whole thread, like, people were not even arguing with me at some point. They were arguing with themselves in the comments, which I'm like, yeah, boost my engagement. But <laughs> the there was this one guy who was making, I feel like, a rather compelling argument that I was talking about, um, you know, the ableism and, and the disabled community. And um, and I was like, okay, that's a fair point. That's that, fair, yeah. That, that's a fair point, and that's an argument and a conversation that definitely should be had. Uh, but when people were... They people would push away the Wakandans to just focus on Bucky, and it's like, all right, let's look at the Wakandans' history in the past ten years in the MCU. They just barely opened they up. One king, they had one king assassinated. Uh, they had they took in Bucky. They had uh, Killmonger overthrow their king. And then Killmonger wanted to use Wakandan vibranium weapons to essentially plunge the world into a world war. Um, the last person that had stolen vibranium from them made a vibranium weapon and used it against them, being Claw. Mm-hmm. And they just opened themselves up to the world. What makes you think they're just going to welcome everybody in with open arms or saying like, hey... We pretty much just nursed you back to health. We're giving you a weapon, and let's be real. In a normal person, it's not a weapon, but in a super soldier, that metal arm is a weapon. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to be like, if you do something against us, we're going to be able to way to snap you out of it. But the other thing is, um, you know, what did Bucky do when he busted out Zemo? He betrayed the Wakandans. This dude killed their last king. Killed some other Wakandans. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think that... I I understand the disability argument, but they had to have a failsafe for Bucky if you look at Wakanda's history. And to me, it reminded me of... um, I don't know. Black parents always have a phrase, hey, I brought you in this world and I can take you out. <laughs> that when, when, when they did that, that, that's the thought that came to my mind. Like, no, like, man, we're, we're doing you a favor. Like, we, anything that we do, we can take away if you out here tripping. So, you know, watch yourself. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... There, there were some issues with the show, but let's um, let, let's hurry up and, and not hurry up, but let's wrap up. Uh, let's talk about the finale and kind of the end of the show and what happened. So the last episode, we get Sam's debut as Captain America. He is no longer the Falcon. He is officially Captain America. He has a new suit. He has a shield. He um, goes in and fights. Uh, the, he fights Baltrock the Leaper, who was hired by the Flag Smashers. He was a villain and Winter Soldier for a little bit, and he came back here. He's a classic Captain America villain, as well as the Flag Smashers. As what what exactly was their plan in Manhattan? I forget exactly so what they were trying to do. So there was a vote that essentially what the so going back to what the Flag Smashers' goals were. So yeah. So during the time of the the snap, the the five years, people started more come together because they had a common resolve. You know, we have all been affected by this massive tragedy, this near extinction level event. And so borders didn't matter. Governments didn't really matter. People came together. So people had moved into houses that were, for lack of a better term, abandoned because the people that lived there were all out of existence and so then when everybody came back 
you have all these people that moved across borders to live or you know were living in new areas that they had to essentially try to move all those people back so that the people that uh were snapped away could get back to where they were five years prior to the best that they could so there was the vote to essentially put that into action and move all the people that were uh going to be displaced in essentially refugee camps Mm -hmm. and the flag smashers wanted to stop that so they're plan was to kidnap the senators at best and at worst kill them to delay the vote or stop the vote got it yep but so essentially captain america to the rescue um he's there bucky is there helping as well sharon carter is magically there helping out for some reason and um john walker has returned to help as well. John Walker wants revenge on uh, Carly. He's uh, created his own Captain America shield, which is really crappy. Yeah, it gets taken out. I, I don't know what he thought he was doing. Yeah, because they had a scene like, of him like welding it, like, oh, he's making his own thing. But it was made out of like paper mache. Like, <laughs> I mean, like you're going up against super soldiers. It's one thing if you're going up against re- regular people, you'd probably be fine. But you're going up against super soldiers. They're going to bend it like a twig or break it like a, a, a twig like you did that one metal rod when after you took the super soldier serum. Definitely. Um, I, I, so I don't... We don't have to go into details with the, with the entire... Uh, <laughs> the entire uh, fight sequence, but we get some... We get some heroic from Sam's. We get some heroic from... We get some heroics, right? So there's a part where John Walker, he can choose to pursue Carly, but instead he has a change of heart, which I guess is maybe starting some sort of redemption, and he tries to stop this bus of people from falling. Uh, but he can't do it alone, and eventually Sam ends up helping... The bus of people as well. Sam also, what is he? Um, he helps people in a helicopter, right? That's one of his big, mm-hmm. big sequences. That was pretty cool. Um, so we get a lot of her- we get a lot of heroics. Um, essentially, you get this point where, um, we find out that Sharon is a power broker. Shocker, yeah. and. Yeah. Sharon kills Baltrock, I believe. I think she kills mm-hmm. Baltrock. And then yeah, you she ha- shoots him. And then there's this face-off between uh, Sh- Sharon and Carly because they're kind of double-crossing each other. And Sharon shoots and ends up killing Carly and essentially makes herself out to be, like, the victim of the situation. So Sam's like, oh, you know, Sharon, are you okay? Um... And then, you know, so Carly's dying. Sam takes her body. He flies over to where the senders are. Gives a He gives a speech, essentially telling the government that they got to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Because, essentially, you wouldn't, have to, you wouldn't have to deal with the Flash Smashers if the government did its job and tried to solve these problems. So, that was kind of the general idea. Um, but, yeah, by the end of that, the rest of the Flag Smashers are getting arrested. And then when they're put into the uh, the police van, the van blows up. You find out that I think it was Zemo's butler had killed yeah. them. So Zemo, even though he's in prison, he still, you know, got people out there doing stuff. Um, Sam's officially Captain America now. Bucky is, him and Bucky are best friends John Walker is under a new title known as U.S. Agent. He's essentially, it looks like he's being bankrolled by um, 
what's her name? We're we're introduced to a new character very briefly in episode five, I believe. Contessa, Contessa, Madam Hydra. Madam Hydra, yeah, essentially Madam Hydra, played by the woman from um, Seinfeld. Yeah, from Seinfeld. Um, yeah. she essentially Madame Hydra shows up in the show and she's essentially supposed to be like almost an evil version of Nick Fury it looks like she's probably putting together some sort of evil team that we're going to see later um, the Thunderbolts probably the Thunderbolts probably John Walker is going to be a part of it John Walker has a new suit which is the same suit but black <laughs> which John Walker uh, really loves uh, his black culture he's just yeah. he's just covered in blackness throughout that whole show and um, that's mostly where the show ends. Uh, Sharon Carter does get a pardon, so she's no longer a fugitive, and she plans to use government access and government secrets for nefarious purposes that are um, to be seen. Yeah, and, she's getting her old job back. And uh, Sam um, is able, and Sam kind of makes up with Isaiah Bradley. He takes Isaiah Bradley, and Isaiah Bradley's, uh, I think, is it his nephew or his grandson? His grandson grandson his grandson patriot who's gonna who you know could possibly possibly be a uh, young avenger they go to the smithsonian museum the captain american museum we've seen in movies before and they now have uh, an exhibit dedicated to isaiah bradley and the black super soldier so it's the idea that you know sam's trying to do his best to help you know make amends for what happened to isaiah um, some people are complaining that it wasn't enough, and I agree that it wasn't. It it was. I would say I mentioned this before. I lose it before that it was very. It was a very Disney ending, right? Where you know, d- you know, they talk about all these real problems, and the issue with dealing with real problems in a show like this is that like we don't always have the solutions in real life. So whatever the solutions they write in the show aren't going to feel as great, <laughs> like. I mean, the real ending would have been, like, Sam (laughs) flying into the White House and, like, the government giving black people reparations. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, but we were not going to get that in this kind of show. So I thought the ending was fine. So, um... Overall, I enjoyed Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I definitely think it was a step in the right direction as far as, um... Not just representation, but actually, like, you know... Use put in cultural issues in these Marvel shows. There was a lot of discourse online about like, oh, I don't like when Marvel's political. Marvel's supposed to be escapist. Well, first of all, the comics are political all the time. Second of yeah. all, we've had so much Marvel content at this point that purely, if you're looking at this purely from like a um, a financial perspective, the medium has to evolve. You know, mm-hmm. we can't keep having team up movies where things blow up and there's no plot. You know, there has to be more thought into a lot of the storylines that come out. And I am, I'm, I'm glad that we're getting that both in WandaVision and in this. Both of these shows were different than what we had seen before. And I mean, Chris, you've complained before about Marvel having its formulas, you know. And Marvel, if they want to continue to make movies, the MCU wants to continue to grow, they're going to have to break out of their formulas and do some stuff that occasionally might make people uncomfortable. So... I'm glad that they did this. There were a few things I didn't like. You know, John Walker, I thought was forgiven way too soon. Sharon being the power broker, way too obvious. I really hope she's a scroll because we didn't really get a good reason for why she's a vision now, a villain now, except for, hey, she was abandoned by Cap and the Avengers. But, 
you know, for Peggy Carter's niece, who supposedly looked up to her Aunt Peggy, supposedly wanted to be heroic, I feel like there definitely should have... We needed, like, a flashback or something to show us how that character becomes a villain. I'm fine with her being a villain, but I think that we needed more of, like, the why for that character specifically. Yeah. Um, they, they did Sharon dirty. So, Sharon, yeah, Sharon done a little dirty, um... But, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the show. Um, I have a couple more thoughts. I want to talk about the fandom for a minute before we move on. But, Chris, did you have any other thoughts about just the show itself? Uh, No, I thought it did a good job. Um, I think six episodes was was probably right. You could probably have done one more. Um, I don't think it needed to be longer than seven, given the story that it told. Um... But yeah, uh, I feel like the actor that plays Carly is now sort of typecast because she was essentially the same character in Solo. Oh, was she? Star Wars story. Yeah, uh, essentially like a a freedom fighter esque character uh, that I don't. I wouldn't say she had extreme extremist tactics in Solo, um, but essentially it's like okay, if you're robbing robbers you you're not gonna you know be clean about it so you know yeah uh i i liked it i i think they did a good job i'm excited for captain america 4 um i'm glad we're getting a captain america 4 i'm glad that black captain america gets to have a movie um Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of ways they could go um, the one thing I wish that we didn't get here that I wanted to get, <laughs> there's, um, I think there's a part where Sam is Captain America in the comics where he, he has a all, he has a fight with him and John Walker and beats down John Walker on his own. Um, there was a good mm-hmm. article that came out, I think it was, it might've been Black Nerd Problems that talked about how Sam Wilson has never won a one-on-one fight in the MCU. And even after this show is over, he still has it. Part of me wishes that he beat Baltrock in the finale, um, but uh, Captain America 4, I want Sam's Captain America to win a fight against a I major mean, I character. Th- <laughs> I think what's, what's going to happen is because just like there was a difference between Bucky uh, and Winter Soldier Civil War and now and Cap and, and First Avenger and Winter Soldier is that Fal- uh, Falcon, or not Falcon, Sam is going to train. He needs you know, to. He, he'll uh, probably train with Bucky, and they'll probably be able to train like I. Granted, we don't really know what's going to happen with Wakanda, but they could, you know, train with Black Panther. Um, I don't even know. I mean, they could meet Shang-Chi at some point and train with him. I don't know. There, there's a lot that's up in the air uh, with martial, martial artists in, in the MCU. Um, so, yeah, because, I mean... Sam has his wings, so he has he'll be able to have a different type of fighting style. Like you know, Spider Man came up with his spider uh, martial arts form with Shang Chi. That would be cool to see for Falcon to do that. Definitely, definitely. So I'm I'm, I'm excited for where's to come. The one thing I want to touch on this show before we move on. Um, all right, so we've talked about the fandom a little bit, how people were complaining that there was too much race talk in the show and they want their Marvel to not be political. But I'm going to keep it real. For a show that, you know, was essentially about a, a black Captain America, the majority of the Marvel fandom pretty much stand every white character in this show. 
and not Sam at all. If you were on TikTok, the characters that got the most mainstream attention were Bucky, John Walker, and Zemo. Yep. 100%. People like Zemo's cute little dance, even though he's a war criminal. People like Bucky, which is fine. I'm cool with Bucky. Everybody feels sorry for John Walker, even though John Walker is... Look, you can like his character. And the actor, Wyatt Russell, did a great job. But, like, John Walker is not Captain America. And John Walker, in my opinion, is not really a hero in the traditional sense. At least not yet. You can say he's an anti-hero. Captain America... Steve Rogers is who America wants to be. John Walker is who America really is. You know, I look at John Walker the same way I view as a Punisher. You know, Punisher is not a hero. Not in the traditional sense. Um, and this frustrated me a little bit, you know, because I, the Marvel fandom, a lot of folks will claim, oh, I'm not racist, I just happen to like this character or whatnot, but there was not a lot of attention to Sam and Anthony Mackie, you know, in the fandom. And I get that, you know, some of the other characters kind of got to do maybe some more fun stuff, but the only people I really saw hyping up Sam as, as Captain America were black TikTokers and black, you know fans online i think there there was one it was pretty good it was like a guy he's like watching sam's training sequence and he's acting like a um a football he's acting like a, a football coach or an athletic coach we're like come on man you got it you got it you got it yeah. get back up let's go let's go let's go and that was pretty <laughs> it, it was it was pretty funny but um yeah i will say that the marvel fandom online still very white still very white adjacent and i would just say that you know if you find yourself only standing white characters in media, be it Marvel, be it Star Wars, be it whatever, I would just look ask you to maybe question maybe why some of that is. Because it's, you know, it's a funny coincidence, you know, that that certain characters get attention over others. Um, the cookout jokes with Bucky were pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one where it had Bucky talking to A.O. and A.O.'s like, so who is Sarah? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so th- there were some pretty great jokes to come out of it. Um, but it shows that these Marvel TV shows are not afraid to delve into topics, whether they delve into them all the way or just get knee deep into it. Because Wanda, uh, WandaVision dealt with depression mm-hmm. and the five stages of grief. And um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier dealt with PTSD, uh, racism, microaggressions, um, and uh, politics, and that's or global politics, globalization. That's what, there we go. Globalization, yeah. But, all right, um, Chris, do you have anything else? Um, we, we've done about an hour. I think we can knock on Invincible in half an hour. Yeah, even even if we want to give it a half hour, because uh, yeah, Invincible. Spoiler warning in effect for in- Invincible. Invincible. So yeah, now we're gonna, we're gonna get Invincible really quick. So Invincible is a show on Amazon. It's a cartoon. Um, is based off of a comic book. Um, essentially, the main plot revolves around this guy <laughs> named Mark. This guy named Mark. He's essentially the son of. The, he's essentially the son of the head superhero in his universe, Omni-Man. Omni-Man is essentially a Superman parody. 
He's essentially a Superman parody. He's got most of the powers that a Superman would, ha- would have. Flight, super strength, all that jazz. Um, so in the pilot, you you know, Mark is discovering his powers. He gets the costume. He's going to start fighting, and he starts to become a superhero. Um, we see that this universe has a team of superheroes that they're essentially a parody of the Justice League. Yeah. Like, character for character. They got their Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Flash, etc., However, by the end of the show, at end of the end of the show, there's a twist where Omni Man, the Superman equivalent, murders brutally murders the entire ju- the Justice League equivalent of that show. So at that point, we know that there's something up with Omni Man. He is not a good guy. Him being a superhero is a front, and we're trying to figure that out. None of the other characters know for sure, but he is being investigated by some other characters in the show, and that's essentially kind of how Invincible pops off. So. Yeah, I wasn't expecting all that uh, on the first episode. So I knew I had saw a clip of uh, the um, of Omni Man crushing the Speedster's head and the Speedster punching him, but that was it. I had no context to it. So when I watched that episode, like the next week, I had forgotten about it. And then everything's happening, and I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, and this show is an adult superhero show, so it, it is does not afraid to get blood. It's straight up, but it's it's not for kids at all. It's super gory. There, there's I don't think there's a lot of sex in it. There's one pretty good joke. There's one pretty good joke where someone has an affair and he's messing with a, a girl who can um she can clone herself, and right. he's essentially having a three way with two of the clones. But there's still. I mean, there, there's no more sex in like a show like Family Guy, I would say, but it's very violent, right. very violent yeah. for sure. Oh my gosh, violent than most anime. I, and the other thing is, I have never seen a main character get their butt whooped as much as Mark did in like every episode. He just got molly whopped. Yes, he did. And they saved the worst for last in the season finale, but before we even get there, it's just like, dog, how are you going to take the name Invincible and everybody's just wiping the floor with you? Essentially, yeah. Essentially, yeah. So what Chris is alluding to, it's not a gag in the show, but Mark is constantly getting his ass beat by pretty much any villain that shows up. In essentially every episode, to it, to the point where when they show the title screen every episode, they put blood on it, mm-hmm. and every every new episode, there's more blood on the on the title screen than there has been before. <laughs> yep. Which you know, it's just like, hey, yeah, this show is going to get darker and bloodier, but it's also like, I feel like the main character is also getting bloodier. <laughs> But essentially, uh, as the show goes on, the Justice League equivalent is dead. So Omni Man is being investigated, but he's still he's still an active superhero. Mark he was, in, he was in a coma for like the first. He was in a coma for the first episode until he goes ham on those aliens at the end of episode two. Right. Which that scene was amazing. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a second. But essentially, Mark um, joins up with a bunch of new, like, rookie superheroes. They're supposed to be... They're pretty much like the new Justice League in training. Um, They're not that impressive, to be perfectly honest. No. No. They're not that impressive. Like, 
Mole, I think uh, UA, the class of UA from My Hero Academia could probably wipe the floor of most of them. Maybe not Mark. Probably. Yeah, you know, mm, Deku could Deku could give those hands to Mark. <laughs> De- Deku Bakugo probably Todoroki too. Um, yeah. And honestly, I would say uh, Momo probably could too, depending on what she creates. Definitely. Um, but th- th- this new team, not super great. Um, you have some cool characters, and I've forgotten a lot of their names. So I'm a wiki. I'm on the wiki right now. Um, so some of the big characters in the team, we have uh, Adam Eve, who's a girl. She can essentially like manipulate matter. Um, Mark has a best friend. Uh, let me look. Um, there's a robot who, I mean, we can talk about later. That storyline is really weird. <laughs> Let's put it in lightly. Um, there's a girl, Duplicate. <laughs> there's Duplicate, a girl who can uh, clone herself. Um, there's Shrinking Ray. Um, a character who can manipulate her size. Um, there's a monster girl who is kind of weird. She's an adult in a little girl's body that can essentially hulk out. Um, and, um, there's a Black Samson who is a black guy in a suit. (laughs) Yep. He's Black Batman. He's essentially Black Batman. And, um, they're not great. There's a good fight where they essentially fight like an evil team. Essentially, I mean, I forget the name of the villain, but they're they're essentially fighting like a kingpin equivalent who's got a bunch of super powered uh, villains on his payroll, and that team gets right. destroyed towards Are the you end. Thinking, uh, Kill Cannon, the guy with the mask. I forget his name. Uh... He's got. I know he's he's got the beast henchman that's really strong. The beast, the beast of crap out of Mark towards the end. But anyway. Oh, but spe- speaking of all, all the characters, um, this 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 show has an amazing cast. Yeah, it does. Star-studded. Uh, yeah, Steven Yoon is Mark. Uh, yeah. Sandra Oh is his mom. Is his mother. J.K. Simmons, Simmons. Simmons is Omni-Man, yeah. Standout performance by J.K. Simmons. Give that man his flowers. Yep. Uh um, then Jillian Jacobs, Britta from Community is Adam Eve. Um, Mark Hamill plays the superhero Taylor. Um, Mahershala Ali is uh, one of the heroes. Um, John Hamm is plays a Secret Service agent. Clancy Brown, Kevin Michael Richardson, Zazie Beetz, Zachary Quinto, May Whitman. Like it's just star-studded. You are going to watch an episode and be like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Seth Rogen is uh, Alan the Alien. Yeah, he was also a um, uh, executive producer for the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ezra Miller's in it, Jamon Honsu. Like, this is star-studded. Definitely. Um, But yeah, no, it's a a fairly good show, I would say. Um... And then we get to the twist. You know, we obviously we know like Omni Man's not like a great dude after the first episode. And while he seems like a rather solid dad to Mark, it slowly capitulates till we get to episode seven. Yeah, yeah. So I mean we're we're kinda jumping around, but 
Omni-Man is probably one of the best parts of this season, of this show. Um, so before we get to that, there's... So in, in the second episode, you have, like, these aliens that, like, invade Earth multiple times. And there's this gag where, like, time travels faster in their universe. Mm-hmm. Then in R, so they invade, they fight uh, Mark and his team, um, the aliens retreat, and essentially when the aliens retreat, like, I don't know, decades pass in their universe. So you see these alien these aliens will come back, like, older every time. Um, yeah. And essentially there's this gag where they invade and come back and invade and come back, and Omni-Man's in a coma for most of the episode. Mark gets beat up, but essentially towards the end, Omni-Man gets out of his coma, and he goes into the alien's dimension. And Omni-Man just goes ham and just destroys essentially an entire planet, an entire civilization. It was that, the animation in that scene was absolutely amazing in the second episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was beautifully destructive how crazy it was. Um, so yeah, we, we see Omni-Man... Clearly not a good guy. Uh, the government, uh, there's a head government guy, I forget his name, the Cecil? No. Uh, I forget his name. But essentially he's being investigated. There's like a demon character that's investigating him that's um, not that important. And at the end of the show, Chris, do you want to talk about the Omni-Man twist the end? <laughs> yeah, so even though we already knew that Omni-Man... He's a sand. I'm- yeah, even though we knew Omni Man was an evil Superman, he he he's he's uh, essentially Vegeta. Uh, well, he's essentially what Goku was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like the Saiyans were sent to different planets to uh, wipe out the populace and then sell the planet, but the Viltrumites, which is what uh, Omni Man is, is uh, they they conquer it and add it to the Empire. So a mix of the Saiyans and the Kree. Um, from the Marvel Universe, so he essentially was having having Mark hoping he could have his power, so then it could help um, take over because their empire was spreading all their fighters thin because the Viltrumite planet was essentially a battle royale, so everybody caught hands on site and died in this massive planet-wide battle royale to figure out to weed out the weak essentially yep and so then they did that and they spread and conquered planet after planet after planet and so now he's wanting mark to be like him wipe out the earth if they do not willingly join the empire and you know he he's trying to use all these tactics like hey we have such a great society where technology centuries ahead we can wipe out illness and disease and take out of poverty they and live long and they convince- live a long time as well right they're they and they don't really age um so he's like just like help me join them and he's like what no you're crazy and then he starts beating the crap out of them and uh you know the the thing that's become a meme Think, Mark. Think. <laughs> it, no, it's a great format. I mean, Omni Man, he he beats the dog shit out of Mark. Like, it, there's a point where he grabs Mark and takes him into like a subway and literally like pushes him through people. So all these people are just dying. Like, literally, like the way Omni Man kills people, it's like it's you just see like the p- people essentially turn to like flesh and meat. How quickly they die. Mm-hmm. Like it was, 
It was probably one of the most violent things I've seen. And this is coming from someone who's watched a ton of anime. I mean, it was more brutal and than... Game of Thrones. It was more brutal than Attack on Titan. Cause, and the thing is, what's traumatizing for Mark is Omni-Man is using Mark's body to kill all of these people. Yep. So while Mark isn't really do it, he's powerless to stop it, and it's essentially happening at his own hands. Yes. And... and... <laughs> yeah. He calls his mom a pet. Yep. Yep. So he's like, oh, Mark's like, oh, but didn't you love mom? And he was like, oh, you know, she was more of a pet. So Omni-Man, um, Omni-Man's not a good guy at all. No. And keep in mind that this is also, like, being streamed. Not to, I don't think it's being streamed to the, it's not being streamed to the world, not the conversation. I think the government has it. But they mm-hmm. obviously can see that Omni-Man has pretty much betrayed them. Um... Right. And yeah, I mean, it was it. The scene has been memed, but yeah, I mean, it was one of the craziest things that I pretty much have ever seen. You know, I'm definitely curious to see where it goes from here. I, I've I've seen bits and pieces of the comic. I know the fact that Omni Man is not the only Vildermite Vild- uh, Vildermite that um, we're going to see, and he's not the strongest either. And he's also going to come back. And he's going to come back. Um, in, in the show, we're in also inter- we're introduced to a variety of different villains. There's some different subplots. There's, like, an evil doctor. There's, like, a guy who's essentially um, lobotomizing people, making them, like, <laughs> I don't know, are they, like, robot slaves almost? Zombie robot slaves, whatever. But then the government essentially gets control of them by the end. Um... So there, there's definitely a lot going on in this show. It was definitely what I would call probably more of a setup season. Um, the end of, by the end of the first season, you this show sets up a lot. There's a weird storyline about like you're you're introduced as robot man on Mark's team. You find out that it's actually like essentially like a like a I I, I mean a, a human that has a ton of deformities that is using these robots as kind of like satellites and controlling them and he uh, gets these two like um kind of like mad science blue mad scientist style villains to help him build a body and they build him like a kid body because he's in love with this this um one of the other superheroes that's essentially like an adult trapped in a kid's body it's weird. Mm-hmm. I thought yeah. that storyline was weird. I was like, okay, whatever. But um, overall, I mean, I enjoyed the show. Um, Mark has a girlfriend who everybody hates because essentially they do the whole gag where, you know, superhero, secret identity, girlfriend doesn't know, always disappearing, always dishing her, blah, blah, blah. And he eventually does tell her that he's invincible, but the twist is that she already knew he was a superhero anyway, and she still didn't like him. And she only took him back after his dad beat the dog shit out of him. So, Mm -hmm. uh, her name's Amber. People are not happy with her. Especially, it really sucks that she is, like, the black female, the black um, woman representation in the show. I'm kind of like, because she was white in the comics. And I'm like, you didn't didn't have to make her black if you were going to make her character, like, worse. Um, there's discourse about her. A lot of people on TikTok are arguing about her. I get it. Her boyfriend was not being a good boyfriend. She had a right to be upset. Maybe, I think they were together, maybe like nine months. He should have told her sooner. That being said, her reaction, knowing that Invincible had like gone through all this stuff, was just not cool to me. You know, I just, 
it it just it the scene it just did to me it was just way too like it was just it made her seem way too selfish where i feel like any reasonable person would have been you might have been upset or like you know upset at that point but i feel like it would have been a thing that like a real couple would have at least tried to talk about and you know attempt to work out yeah and it it, it reminds me of miles morales because i was reading the entire run that mm-hmm. started what like two years ago or three years ago with uh, the Miles Morales comics. And so uh, he had a similar situation where his girlfriend pretty much suspected that he was Spider-Man. And she was just like, do you have a secret you need to tell me? And he's like, no, I don't. And she's like, are you sure? And then she got mad and he's like, well, we're going to need to think about where we are in our relationship and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, all right, if you think your significant other is a superhero, there is a reason they're not telling you. Yeah. It would to me it would be like if you were dating someone that was in like the CIA or the FBI, like there's stuff about that job that they just cannot probably can't ever tell you, you know? Right. There's stuff that's going to be kept under wraps and that's something that you have to accept if you're going to be in a relationship with that person, you know. Again, I I get it. <laughs> Mark should have told her sooner. But she was. She, I feel like any person would have been way more like, understanding. Mark's in high school, right? Yes. Like you're in high school. Like, you know, I know. Like, you know, going back to high school, like, you know, like young love and everything like that. But it's just like the weight of that is a lot for any person, let alone a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, we've been to nine months, but you know, high schoolers break up all the time. Be Yes, they do. Like, why? You know, like, I could tell you this, and you're like, wow, that's cool. And then two weeks later, I do something stupid, and you break up. Like, you can't risk that. Yeah. Now, like, obviously, if you're about to get married to the person, do do you tell them? Yeah, you might want to do that before you think about proposing. But, like... I feel like if if it's a long-term adult relationship, I feel like, yeah, you tell them. But in yeah. this scenario, in this scenario, you you understand why Mark didn't tell her. Mark is getting his ass beat every day. <laughs> On a regular basis. On a regular basis. It's just like, Lord have mercy. Man puts on his costume and gets a butt whoop like, God, Lee. Um, but, you know... No shows without his controversy, and um, I mean, I enjoyed Invincible. If you're a fan of any super, if you're a fan of superhero stuff, I feel like there's something to get out of it. Um, the action is great. Um, people are saying like Invincible is better than every anime, and I'm like, all right, slow down. Yeah, yeah. slow down. Pull that back. Just pull it back. Slow down, like <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Hunter Hunter, Attack on Titan, all exists. Roni like, Kenshin. Yeah, Roni Kenshin, Yu Hakusho. Just chill. Chill, dog. <laughs> but it, it is a good show. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before we go. So we've been going like an hour and 20 minutes. And it's, I know it's getting late. So how do we feel about the evil Superman trope? Do we want Omni-Man to be the last evil Superman we see for a while? Because yes. we have... We've, we've had Injustice Superman in the comics and the games. We have had um, the Nightmare Superman in the Snyderverse. We have had Homelander in the boys. 
And we now also have, and now we have Omni-Man in Invincible. So um, we've gotten a lot of evil, we've gotten a lot of evil Superman stories, I say, within the last decade, one way or another. And uh, I read a good article really, about, like... The last 20 years, because that's when Omni-Man, Homelander, oh, and Brightburn were all created yeah. before they came to, like, visual media or, our, like, animated media or TV or whatever, movies was they were creating the 2000s. So the 2000s just loves an evil Superman. So I will say, uh, idea for a death battle, uh, evil Superman battle royale, um, with all the versions. Superman's version. dog walking everybody. I know, he should dog walk everybody. Throwing a, who does Marvel got? A Hyperion? Maybe the Sentry. Yeah. I feel like the Sentry could put up a fight, maybe. But Clark, Clark could beat most most evil Superman. Because he's well, powered by yeah. the sun. It, deter- it really depends on if Sentry turns into the Void and which version of Superman you're using. It's, it's all <laughs> fluid, but it, it's, you know, like... I would still like to Homelander's see that animated, out. though. Yeah. Yeah, Homelander's out. Omni-Man's out. The kid from Bright- Brightburn is out. Um, uh, then you have, you know, uh, Sen- Sentry, Hyperion. Uh, probably Hyperion's out, and then you have between Sentry and Superman. It, you know, it's just... And yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, I, I'm a little bit tired of the evil Superman thing. Um, we get it; it's a <laughs> we get it; it's a critique. I mean, usually, evil Superman are always presented as like, you know, Superman's supposed to be the all-American hero. In recent decades, you know, we're a lot more critical of the United States and the role it plays you know, in the world and why, how it treats the citizens. And I feel like we get a lot of evil Superman to show like, okay, this is how the, this is how a lot of the world views America. There's a lot of that in the boys, especially the boys mm-hmm. is really, I mean, the boy Homelander and the boys is, is a Superman parody as well. And essentially he's used to show how much America sucks and how terrible right. America can be. So, but yeah, I'm I'm getting sick of the trope for sure. Um, did you? I, so I saw this cut that was funny. So the scene where Omni Man fights the fake Justice League, you know, mm. you know how he so he kills fake Batman by grabbing his leg and smashing him into the ground. Someone cut it with um, Bruce Wayne, and he grabs Batman and breaks and smashes his head. And people are like, "This is how Batman versus Superman would go." And it's the cut of Omni Man. Um, killing a uh, fake Batman, I forget his name, and I, I thought it was pretty hilarious because, uh, yeah, Superman's OP. Mm-hmm. Um, but Invincible's a good show. Um, yeah, the hopefully the MCU doesn't do like a fake Superman equivalent. I don't think we need to see Hyperion in the movies, to be honest. Yeah, Blue Marvel though would be cool, but um, I, I would like to see Blue Marvel. Um, or, you know, they could do, uh, I mean, we don't need to, <laughs> DC is maybe doing a movie about a black Superman and everyone hates the idea. Yeah, not today. Not today. Um, oh, God. But uh, if you want to do more Superman stuff, uh, hey, Icon is just sitting there and Icon's a good guy. Yeah. I, if you want to do a black, <laughs> never mind, I, I won't go there. I'm saying that yeah. um, if you want to do more Supermanish stuff, um, Icon you know from we- Milestone Comics is sitting there. You make know a movie. Would be a great fake out though. Cast Idris Elba. You know it would be a great fake out. Yeah, if yeah. They yeah. said they were doing a black Superman, and they ended up being it ended up being Icon. It would be cool. Who would you cast for Icon? Be 
Idris Elba could do it. Yeah, he would need to bulk up a little bit. Um, he's a little bit older, but he should be fine. Because Icon's uh, usually like a grown man. Like, he's like a professor, I think. Right. In his day life, yeah. But anyway. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, All right. That's Invincible. I, I recommend it, but if you can't. You can't handle gore. Don't watch it. Straight up, don't watch it. Like if you, if you're turned off by something and say like Attack on Titan, Invincible probably won't do it for you, or Game of Thrones, or I'm trying to think of any gore anime. Berserk is a gore anime. If you're not watched Yasuke, I don't talk about that. (laughs) I don't talk about that. We're not. I I can't. Don't if we talk about uh the Yasuke anime, I will be here all day. Um just know that I'm very upset <laughs> for I'm multiple getting, multiple I'm getting reasons. Dragged over to that. At first I was like, Yeah, this was okay. This and then the more I think about it, the more I'm just sort of going back to <sighs> Really? I they went way too anime. Why were the robot? All right, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. We'll, we'll save that for the next podcast. I'll do another. We can do another show. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we can do another show. We'll definitely have another theme. But um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, Chris, unless you have anything else. Nah. All right, cool. Um, we're done an hour and a half. So thank you all for listening. Um, hopefully you enjoyed our episode. Um, not sure what our next episode is going to be. Know the Loki show and the <clears throat> Black Widow movie are coming out next month. Um, we'll see. Only thing I care about coming out, I would care about two things coming out next month. Uh, In the Heights and my brother's film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to, I mean, your brother's film is doing a private premiere, right? So we can't. Yeah, well, yeah it's a private <laughs> a private I mean, thing yeah so you know it, it's 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 uh I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the people that that are listening to this that have me on social media would, would have seen any post about it so it's not like that's okay. a, that's a secret but yeah juneteenth life yeah. ain't like the movies yeah life ain't like the movies is robert butler uh chris's brother mm-hmm. uh film he's been on the show a couple teams on last episode <laughs> for the star wars uh he's on the show um Every once in a while, so um, yeah, that's going to come out. Hopefully, it comes out for everyone eventually, and then we can promote it. But um, yeah, so this has been Chris. This has been Chris, and um, we hope you have a great week. And thank you for listening. Until next time, um, live long and prosper, and don't let your evil alien dad uh, beat you up. Hashtag restore the Snyderverse. And also, Captain America is black now. Ha 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 ha. My captain is black. My Lambo's blue. <laughs> <laughs>